Welcome to the Mount Carmel Christian Church Podcast. In our sermon series, Delight, we are exploring the Christmas narrative and seeing how the coming of the Christ child brought joy and comfort to those in need. Today's speaker is Senior Minister Dee Dee Bacon. Well, Merry Christmas. It's a thrill for me to be here with you today to celebrate this season, season of gifts, season of gift giving, season of trying out new toys, right? (laughs) Shannon and I uh, were blessed to have a new toy come early for us, kind of for Christmas, sort of. Uh, We got ourselves a new car. I know, don't be too impressed. Uh, 2001 Honda Accord had like 200,000 plus miles on it, and we said it's time, and so we got ourselves a 2008 (laughs) Honda Accord, same color and everything, (laughs) love it. It only had 75,000 miles, so that's a pretty good deal, pretty good deal. What we really love about the new car, though, is that it has a working radio, (laughs) and uh, the old car, the radio went out, and it was a slow death. It was one of those things, when we first got it, it worked. And after a while, every now and then, it would cut out, come back in. And as we would drive, then all of a sudden, we did the strategic nudge. You know what that is when you bump the, the, you know, the thing, boom, and it get it going. And then eventually, it just went away for good. So we didn't have a radio. And so for long trips, uh, my kids bought me one Christmas, a Bluetooth speaker. And so I would long trips, so I put the Bluetooth speaker in the door, and it worked like a radio. It was fantastic. But the new car has a radio, and so we're being uh, blessed to enjoy the wonders of having a working radio. It has a little display, tells us what the, the station is and what songs are being done. And of course, we got a radio just at the time when uh, they stopped playing Christmas music at every single channel, it seems like. What's that one channel that plays Christmas music all the time? And they start like in July, I must be, uh, and they play in Christmas. Is that Warm 98? Is that it? Something like that? Star 93? I mean, yes, it's all over the place. Christmas songs. I, I was uh, reading and preparing for my message tonight and uh, came across a story by a man. is written by a man named Russell Moore. Russell tells of a time he was in a bookstore and you ever heard this guy talking, and the guy was blasting the Christmas album of some pop star, and Russell was listening, and he was kind of agreeing to that. But then the guy took it one step further. He started saying, I hate all Christmas music. And Russell began to wonder, is this really the Grinch, maybe? The Grinch? But then this man began to explain, I hate Christmas music because there is what he called no narrative tension. That if it was, a, it was a book, it's boring because there's, there's no connection to what's real. There's no connection to, to the struggle and the realities of life. And, and he said this at a time when we had just experienced as a nation one of our worst shooting tragedies, which we unfortunately see every now and then on, on the news. Russell began to reflect on what this man was saying, and he began to say, you know what? I see his point. I see his point. What we've made Christmas is more Santa and toys and glitter and fun and less stuff that really connects with our world and the tragedies that we deal with, the struggles that we deal with on our day-to-day don't seem to connect with the feel, the vibe, 
that we have a Christmas now. Which is really a tragedy because if you look in the Bible, which we've been doing as we've been going through the series titled Delight, we've been checking out the stories of Christmas. We've been looking through particularly the Gospel of Luke and we've looked at people's lives that were affected by the coming of the child and the delight they experienced. What we've discovered was that Christmas was truly uh, born, the story of Christmas in the Bible is truly comes out of real life. Real people dealing with real issues, just like you and me. Worry about the future. Sadness at the loss of a loved one. Success at good, a job well done. Joy of the birth of a child. Worry because of a birth of a child. Financial victories and financial difficulties. The people in the Bible surrounding the story of Christmas were people who lived with these tensions and the struggles that you and I live. And the good news is that this is the world in which Jesus came. You know, the very first Christmas carol was sung by Mary, the, the mother of our Lord, and it was a, a war psalm, right? If you listen to that song, she starts saying things like, the coming of the, the, the Christ is, is, is also trouble for the enemies of God. I mean, that's pretty tense stuff. Last week at church here, we talked about Simeon. Simeon was an old man, been faithful to God. He'd been promised by God, Spirit, that he would not die until he had seen the coming of the Messiah, the consolation of Israel. In other words, the comfort of Israel that has been promised through the coming of uh, what it would turn out to be Jesus. And Simeon is given the honor and privilege of being able to go to the temple. He intercepts Mary, Joseph, and the child as they're on their way to fulfill their religious ritual, the religious rites as Jews for the purification of Mary and the dedication of Jesus. And he grabs that baby and he gives praise to that baby. And, and, it, and it's all good and it's all joy, but he also does what? If you read on in the song that he sings... He warns of the rise and fall of many because of the coming of this child. He turns to Mary and says, because of this child, your heart will be pierced deeply. That sounds like real life to me. After Simeon blesses Jesus, we're told another person comes, a person that I'd like us to look at, someone that we don't typically talk about at Christmas and Christmas stories. We don't include this person in our nativity scenes, but this person is very much part of the story of Christmas. This person's name is Anna. She's an old lady. She's a widow. If you give your attention to Luke chapter 2, verse 36, and follow along on with me. It says, there was also a prophet... Anna, prophet means that she spoke on behalf of the Lord. The daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher, says she was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. So Anna was an old lady, 84 years old, that's pretty old. And that is pretty old for us today. It's pretty old, especially in those times where mortality rates were, were lower than what we experience now. But she was an older lady who happened to be a widow. We're told that seven years into her marriage, 
her husband passed. Now, I don't know about you, uh, in my study of the effects of loss, events in our life that, that can happen, I'm told that the loss of a spouse is one of the hardest things a person can endure. It's brutal. And here she is, seven years into a marriage, you can think that things were starting to move forward, her life was starting to come together, she and her husband were getting into a, a good rhythm, and I'm not sure if she had children or what was going on, but now he dies just as, as, as things were starting to click after seven years, and, and she loses the, the love of her life, which is brutal. She loses the, the possibility of a future with him. She loses the friendship, companionship that come from being married. Being a widow is tough today. Being a widow is even tougher then. Why? Because widows were extremely vulnerable. Time of Jesus, it was a very much a, a male-dominated society. So if you were, didn't have a man who was protecting you, providing for you, you were vulnerable. As a widow... She was vulnerable financially for her physical safety and therefore had to rely on family and friends to provide for her. And we're told that what Anna does is she turns her heart towards God. She serves God night and day. She dedicates herself to God and her faith, her faithfulness, is rewarded by the fact that she's called to a ministry to speak on behalf of God. People come to her to hear the word of God so that they can know the will of God. It says then, coming up to them, this is Anna, coming up to them being Jesus and Joseph and Mary, at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Now, I think about Anna, I think about someone who had every right to be bitter. I don't know about you, but I think about Anna, I think this is a person that had every right to turn her back on her faith. Why? Because here's a good person. Here's a person that appears to have followed God, yet she experiences this terrible loss. If anyone had right to say, why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? It would have been Anna. Why does God allow good things to happen in this world and, and to good people? I don't know. What kind of God is that? Anna had every right to be bitter. Anna had every right to perhaps understandably, turn away from her faith. But we see that Anna doesn't do that. Instead of being bitter, we notice, sorry for the cliche, we see Anna is not bitter, she's better. And why is that? Why is that? What is it about her that allows her to flourish in dealing with some very difficult things as a widow? What is it that motivates her to get up every day, go to the temple courts and dedicate herself to the service of God, fasting and praying, being a prophet for God? What is there that gives her life meaning and motivation? What is it that provides her the opportunity, the platform, to be able to now come up to the, to the Messiah, to the Christ child, to Jesus, and to hold that baby and to give praise and to speak out to all who will listen? And tell them, this is the one that we've been waiting for. This is the Messiah. This is the blessing. What? Well, it's a thing that 
makes life worth living is faith. Faith in a God who fulfills his promises. Faith in the God who provides Jesus, whose name is Emmanuel, God with us. Faith. Faith. See, Anna lived by faith, and her faith was the key that unlocked the delight of the transcending power of Christmas. You can write that in your bulletins if you like, the takeaway for today. Faith unlocks the transcending power of Christmas's delight. If we want to really experience the fullness of the gift, if we want to experience the blessing of what it means for Christmas, how do we experience that? How do we access that? We access that through faith. Because I believe that this child whom we sing sing about, whom we, we light Christmas decorations in honor, whom we give gifts to each other in order to remember, this child was the Son of God, God in flesh. I believe What the Bible says is true about him. For God so loved the world, for God so loved you and me, that he gave his only begotten son, a child in a manger, who would grow up to be a man, who would give his life on a cross to pay for the price that you and I deserve because of our offense to God. He died on the cross, sacrificed his life, was buried and came back again on the third day to give us life because he overcame death. I believe, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Faith unlocks the transcending power of Christmas's delight, and faith is not unicorns and rainbows. It's real, and it comes from real people living in real life to us living in this world dealing with real life. Check this picture out. This is a picture of one of my colleagues. This is Brian McGee, nine years old. Brian McGee, nine years old, Christmas Day, 1991, receiving the gift that he'd been waiting for, Super Nintendo Gaming System. Look at the face on that kid. I've seen that face every now and then when someone brings cookies in the office, so I recognize that. <laughs> Brian says that this gift was just, uh, just absolutely blew his mind. It was the gift that came with so much possibility, right? Possibility of exploring playing those games that, that came with it, of, uh, of getting a second controller and having a buddy, a, content, a companion, a friend, who will end up being a rob, ro- rival and playing games against each other. Uh, the, the, the possibilities were endless. When, when Brian received this gift, he said, I, I, I thought I, I'd got it all. Everything I need and everything I ever wanted for a nine-year-old Super Nintendo gaming system. Look at that face. That boy's happy. But then Brian, sharing the story, said, you know, Didi, he said, nine years later, I received another gift, another gift that was far more significant. I received it with an immense amount of delight, but with power that's so real and transformational, paled, the, the Nintendo paled in comparison, and it was the gift of salvation 
that comes in his believing that Jesus is the Christ. Having faith. Now there's a connection between these two gifts that I think it's important to know. Illustration that I want to go into. Let's imagine that Brian receives the Super Nintendo on Christmas Day 1991 as a nine-year-old. He unwraps it. He recognizes the Super Nintendo. He jumps up and, up and down, claps his hands, does a little dance of joy, hugs his dad, says, thank you, thank you, thank you, runs and runs around, runs around it, and then runs to his room, writes up a note, puts it on his, his door. I'm a proud owner of a Super Nintendo gaming system, but then that's all he does. He just leaves the, the, the game in the box, never opens it, never plugs it in, never experiences what it can do, all the games it can have, never invites a buddy to take a second controller to play with them, never does any of that. He instead just, just leaves it there at the bottom of the, of the tree. What would we think about that? We would say, the kid has gone nuts. The kid is crazy. That's not ever going to happen. Why? Because the point of opening the gift is to experience the gift, right? It's to play with the game. It's to, it's to experience fully what the, the gift provides because that's what it's designed to do. Well, I think many times we might do this with the gift of Jesus. Maybe sometimes we're guilty of leaving the gift of Jesus under the tree, not fully opening it. We, we might be excited when we first take off the, the wrappers and say, oh, we're so grateful that God sent his son. We come together. We celebrate Christmas. We give each other gifts. We decorate. And man, we set up a nativity scene. And we come to candlelight. And we read the Christmas story and we enjoy the Christmas traditions. But ultimately what we do is we basically leave the gift at the tree not fully opened. Because in order to fully open the gift, we have to exercise faith. What is faith? Well, faith is a mental and a, a heart thing. It's the acceptance of the witness of thousands of years of testimony of, of not only the Bible but of church and of people that, that live by faith. It's their acceptance to say this is true, that, that Jesus is real and, and these things do, did happen and, and are real today because of the power of the Spirit in their life. But it's also then the acceptance of mentally, a mental assent, but it's also a commitment of faith. It's a matter of the heart and saying I'm going to give my life to that and believe that. And the exercise of faith is a day-to-day -day thing that may have its ups and downs. It involves real life. It involves real decisions. But you never fully experience the gift unless you open it up. And you never fully experience the gift of the Christ child unless you open it up by faith. And so I guess my message for you today is this. Tonight as we come together in the midst of, of the craziness, in the midst of, of, of Christmas activities and family gatherings, as we come together with friends and family, folks that come to church, folks that don't often come to church, you're here. I'm going to encourage you to consider the gift of Jesus and faith. Faith. Consider the reality that this child is also called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And God with us means that we can live a life trusting him in our day-to-day, -day, knowing that as we live life and we face storms, sometimes God calms the storm and sometimes he calms the sailor in the storm. But it's living by faith because faith unlocks the transcendent power of the delight of Christmas. It's by faith we can say with the poet, 
More light than we can learn. More wealth than we can treasure. More love than we can earn. More peace than we can measure. Because one child, one child is born. Thank you for listening. You can interact with us online at our website, www.mtcarmelchurch.org. Also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.